0: It's Monday, July 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris L joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Chief Investment Officer here with Motley Fool, Andy Cross. Happy Monday, gentlemen. Thank Chris. you, Chris. Bill,
1: welcome to the fourth floor. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Every
0: once in a while, we let like to let you come up. Go down to the first floor. And Have you ever
2: thought about doing an on location show on the first floor? Oh, that's gold. That would, <laughs> That is what the people have been waiting for.
0: I think, you know what, maybe this fall as we, as we roll out even more video offerings, that then I think it's not just being on the first floor, it's it's seeing the first floor. So we'll, we'll talk about that. All right. We'll dig into that. Take of a sighting space. Um, it's earnings uh, season. Earnings Palooza rolls on, but there's, there's frankly a lot of, of other things going on in the news that we will get to that have nothing to do with earnings. Uh, some big uh, M&A activity. Um, and we will dip into the Fool mailbag as well via the Twitter. It's not really the mailbag if no one's emailing us, but you, know, you can always email us, radio at fool.com, but we actually have some comments via the Twitter. You can follow us. Could
2: you send
0: like a, a piece
1: of
2: mail to uh, into the show? Sure.
1: If you Has to. anyone ever done it?
2: Uh, yeah, we've gotten a couple of things really? over the years. Sure, But you can
1: only do that for a few more years, probably until the U.S. Postal Service right. decides to... So send, send Chris on. a mail. Get Son- some a- stuff a- in a- now. It's, it's a- more exciting Duke than just
2: Street. one more email, isn't it? It is. Ooh, here's 2000
0: Duke Street, Alexandria, Virginia, 22314. Uh, let's start, however, with uh, a little bit of earnings news, which is Hertz. Second quarter profit up 31%. Revenue of $2.7 billion, That was in line with expectation. It seemed, Bill, like a good quarter for Hertz. Uh, shares are down eh, like one and a half two 2% this morning. Um, what did you think of the quarter? The stocks had a pretty good run of late over the last few months, so maybe this was, you know, just a little bit of profit taking. But what did you think of the quarter?
2: Well, I'll, I'll I'll sum it up in in terms of uh, going beyond Hertz, and that is that most things are going into earnings after having had a pretty good run. You may have heard stock market has has been strong. Lately. Yes, yes. So so you don't get all-time highs in the stock market day after day after day without all the companies having been priced there already. So they show up at earnings season, deliver basically, in Hertz's case, more or less the news that was expected. And it's never too surprising when something's had a strong run going into earnings and nothing is wowing you that it sells off a couple of percent. So uh, good quarter for hertz, as you said uh not beyond expectations, and I think you need a little bit of beyond expectations in this earnings season to uh, maintain your price or you know go any higher.
1: Are you guys buying the whole rental economy that that we're in like there was an economist article on it. You see a lot about the fact that now you can i mean the economist actually had a front page art section about uh, a few months ago about like how the world with you know renting things not buying things so rental properties think about things like home away or airbnb where you just rent out part of your house and, yep like is that hertz is good earnings we've seen you know zip car get bought out by i think avis like just
2: i mean I, I don't know that that anybody is going to turn to hertz as uh, you know a constant use for renting rather than owning a car uh, it's not Really set up to do that. Zipcar is is more of that model, uh, but I mean, their Hertz equipment is, right, their equipment business yes. was actually pretty good. Yeah. Hertz is benefiting mostly from more business travel uh, which right. is a, a reasonably good sign for yep. the us economy yeah. and uh, you know it's 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 not too surprising that they're doing well as as the economy p- sort of slowly picks up but uh yep. you know also they're not saying anything that exciting about uh, the near future so that, that's one of the reasons why we we, we
1: yeah bit. we actually went and rented a, a u-haul truck to move some stuff to um, to a donation center and I gotta say it was far better than it than it was, uh, you know, a couple years ago when, you know, I moved houses. Like, it was just... I I think they actually may be getting onto something called customer service at these places, which I thought was shocking.
2: What amount of time did you think about just buying the U-Haul truck instead of renting it?
1: (laughs) Two seconds. Two seconds. <laughs> I did think – no, I didn't. I did not think about it at all. But it was a, It was literally that afternoon my wife was like, hey, let's rent a truck, move this stuff out, and we did it. And it was just – it was seamless. But I'm telling you, the customer service was far better than ever before when I had to move stuff. So You're the star, I think man. The
2: wife comes up with an idea. Let's do this thing, major thing today. Yeah. And you like that
1: afternoon? It needed you needed to be executed. Done. No, she was just basically just cracking the whip on something that needed to be done a long time ago. So it was great, and and I just because I was like, oh, I don't want to rent a truck. Rental is such a just a pain. The whole process, the insurance, all this. It was it was great.
0: I want to go back to uh, something that you mentioned, Bill, which was the business travel because it seems like. For a while now, um, uh, people have made the case that you know business travel is going to drop off as video conferencing replaces the need for sort of um, people getting on a plane and and meeting with clients and that kind of thing. And it seems like that thesis really hasn't held up, even though video conferencing is. Uh, Maybe not ubiquitous, but certainly um, more readily available uh, than it was 10, 15 years ago. But I think uh, whereas maybe 15 years ago, if you're Hertz or Avis or one of these companies, you're thinking, gosh, if if business travel really drops off in a significant way, we're kind of screwed, on some level, maybe you're pleasantly surprised that it, it really hasn't played out that way at all.
2: Yeah, I, I think I would have been one of the people who would have guessed that it was going to impact, you know, current day travel more by this point than it has. Um, and that's good news for Hertz and, and the hotels and, and others who are still running a good business. I think my understanding from you know some of the research on the uh, hotel companies is while the occupancy rates – uh, are back to sort of all-time highs at, at, at a number of places. Uh, they're still not getting quite the, the higher-level spend. Uh, that is, you know, the conferences aren't, aren't going for the, the big-ticket items on the food and the, the free alcohol and things like that. So there's still room for uh, the conferences, the hotels, to grow their business. As the economy grows, people are spending less uh, sort of per- uh, per person on these kinds of things. But, you know, the number of cars, the number of hotel rooms, those those are being utilized uh, at, at rates that are, you know, rivaling anything that 2007, early 2008 saw. On Tuesday, President Obama will be visiting an Amazon
0: warehouse in Tennessee. Um, and the company decided it would be a good idea today to announce that it is hiring <laughs> five to 7,000 workers Uh, for Amazon's fulfillment and customer service centers. They have 17 uh, of them across the United States. This is a pretty significant uptick in hiring because across those centers, Amazon currently has about 20,000 employees. So we're talking about uh, back of the envelope math here twenty you know a, a minimum of twenty five percent more people in those centers. What did you
1: think of the news? Well, I thought Amazon's factories or their distribution centers were all run off Kiva robots. So this was <laughs> shocking to me. Um, I, listen, Amazon has a competitive advantage very much like Netflix did in its distribution centers with DVDs long ago. Amazon has a competitive advantage with with its distribution warehouses, and I think it's seen this as an advantage as, as a way to to widen that advantage and deepen it because it's very expensive, especially for Prime members. It's very expensive to ship all that stuff around the country, around the world, but really around the country from East Coast to West Coast, you know, North and South. Distribution centers make that far more cost effective. Um, think about the amount of money that Amazon spends in in shipping; it eats those right. margins, and so this is a way to basically widen that distribution and allow you to get more and more things um, sooner. And that's good for Amazon; certainly good for Amazon customers. I think ultimately it's good for Amazon shareholders. We saw their profits um, take a hit last quarter. Market shrugged it off as as Jeff Bezos continued to say. Bezos continued to say that we're we are investing in the future. Clearly, this is one of their investments.
0: Bezos uh, it seems now to be maybe not bulletproof as a CEO, but he seems to be damn close because of uh, his track record as CEO, because of the way the business has grown. Uh, it, you know, uh, I, I, I suppose that's warranted, but I, I don't know. I, are you at all surprised, Bill, that, that Bezos comes into a quarter where the numbers aren't quite what People were hoping for. Uh, certainly the last couple of years, the valuation on Amazon stock has been um, a pricey one. Generous. It's been a generous valuation. And um, I don't know, Bezos just seems to walk into these quarters and he's just not blinking at all.
2: No. Well, I think that as time goes by, it, it's more and more viable that Amazon will be a bigger and bigger chunk of where you spend your money. You know, that, mm-hmm. that there are Fewer and fewer categories of things that you won't consider Amazon uh, as as a provider of, and you know, a useful, especially for Prime members. Just think of something uh, you uh, have bought it a couple minutes later, and it's delivered to your front door, you know, within forty eight hours. And that once you get used to that, uh, everything else becomes uh, a, a lot harder to stomach, and, and so. Uh, even though the cash is not being generated uh, from the business today in the the amounts that would be necessary to justify the price uh, just on that metric, it is easy to keep extending out the growth model that you need to model uh, for Amazon to, and to believe that the profits will show up, you know, it's always a little bit more in the future than you wanted it to be. Right. But it's also never really hitting that that wall of, well, now I'm going to need to bring the, you know, growth expectations down into the, you know, 10 percent range. It's still, you know, well above that.
1: I am um, also read Chris, that that a few of uh, a couple thousand of those um, hires will be in customer service, which I, yeah. is where I think Amazon has just excelled. Um, and then they went out and, and bought Zappos, um, Tony Shea's company, which is ex, you know runs exceptional customer service too. I think that's important. That just continues to be more and more when you are dealing with the types of services that Amazon's offering. Having that great customer service um, is something that they're obviously not not letting go of, and I think that's a positive.
2: What's the biggest bulkiest thing you've ever bought from Amazon?
0: I don't think I've ever bought anything particularly large for them. Every once in a while I'll have a bunch of things that they just combine into one large box, but I've I've never gone the route of, you know, Jason Moser has mentioned here before that, you know, he bought a flat screen TV from Amazon and had it delivered. But I've I've never bought anything.
1: We bought shelving, like big bulky metal metal shelving that goes like in your garage. Um, you know, but incidentally, this is one interesting thing. I bought
2: a grill. Really? Yeah. Was it bulky? Was, yeah, you know, was it big? Yeah. yeah. It was a grill. It was but like, grill, a micro a small, grill, like, like a micro grill, like a George grill. Foreman thing? Yeah, no, no, not that
1: small. No. I have a small grill, though. It, I mean, you, no, it, well,
2: this grill could eat your little tiny sure grill. It could, you sure know? if, if you're talking that big.
1: <laughs> um, but, you know, this is one place, Chris, where a company like Williams-Sonoma has done done really well, and they have mastered, and they talk about this on their conference calls, about how difficult it is to master shipping Large items, furniture, rugs, all those big bulky items, how difficult it has been to get that really right. And they have really excelled at that and it's really helped their business. So it is, I mean, Amazon is so good. I guess they do ship big things and you can probably buy cars on Amazon. But I mean, I use them mostly for much more convenient things.
0: Yeah. Uh, A couple of big mergers in the news this morning. Drug maker Perigo, uh, or is it Perigo? I, frankly. I, I'm not going to help you out. I, yeah, you no. I, I don't know. Ahead it's ahead it's one or the other. Yeah. Uh, is buying uh, Elan, the uh, Irish biotech, for $8.6 And Omnicom and Publicis Group, which uh, are two of the largest advertising companies in the world, are merging to create a $35 billion advertising giant that will be rampaging the countryside, uh, presumably. Uh, But Andy, we were talking about this uh, this morning, just the whole notion of uh, the ripple effect of cash being so cheap and and leading to things like this. Yeah. And
1: Hudson Bay announced they're buying the Canadian, uh, essentially a a a real estate company is buying Sachs. Um, Sachs has been long in the news as being an acquisition target. And now finally it, it was announced that that Hudson Bay is buying sacks. Um, you know, Chris, I think one thing is it's it's cheap money and it's, it's low growth. So cheap money, relatively cheap money, even though rates have gone up, money is still historically very cheap to borrow. And Global growth, for the most part, is just not where it, it should be in this in this part of a cycle of a recovery. So I think companies – and there was an article in the Wall Street Journal this morning about how companies are just – cost-cutting only goes so far, and now you really need to see some top-line growth. So, the ability to go out and find it – I mean, the, the Parago elon deal was a, a lot of tax advantages with, with Ireland. But something like Hudson Bay buying sacks, it really is uh, a way to try to go after a new growth market. Um, Bring in more top dollars um, and keep cost efficient. Um, leverage out some, you know, the synergies which they talked about in that big advertising deal, and um, and keep your high profit margins and be able to grow grow your uh, earnings per share that way, as opposed to organically.
0: Is that ever? maybe a top four or five reason to buy a stock? Or is that just sort of in the category of, well, this would be nice if it happened? And what I'm talking about is the whole notion of a company being a takeout candidate. Obviously, we're, you're talking about a smaller universe of stocks. But does Bill, does that ever factor into your thinking, whether it's your personal portfolio or the work you do at Motley Fool Asset Management? Um, does that ever factor in to a significant degree like well you know on the plus side of reasons to buy this stock one of the top 3 or 4 is uh, we're we're pretty sure it's an attractive takeout candidate
2: no not really except in in this dimension that is if if you believe that uh, a holding an investment of yours personal or, or, you know, through uh, mutual fund, whatever, uh, is undervalued. One of the reasons that it can realize what you believe to be its intrinsic value is a company buying it out. So, you know, merely thinking, well, this, this is a fully valued company and I think somebody could be stupid and pay more for it than it was already going for is probably a pretty bad investment tactic. Uh, but the but you know the the thing is that companies and not to speak to these um, a- a acquisitions that, that Andy was just talking about specifically, but in general uh, as it has been studied that is historically sort of the worst use of money by companies for shareholders is acquisitions of other companies and that is because uh, those acquisitions when you measure them all have got a number of, Acquisitions that are driven by companies wanting to be bigger, CEOs wanting to run bigger companies, uh, CEOs who have compensation, which is based on how large the company they run is, whereas the other uses of cash, which are paying dividends and uh, buying back uh, shares and and investing in your own business, uh, all traditionally come in ahead of, of buying other companies uh one of the reasons being especially today that you know companies are not desperate to sell uh so they are able to get the price they want to sell in most cases alonzo's got you know some issues but um, th- that's one of the reasons you don't typically see that use of money delivering above average Returns to shareholders. Uh, these acquisitions may, uh, you know, work out better than the, than the average. But you know, as a general, if you see a lot of acquisitions going on by a company, uh, that's usually not the best use of cash.
1: You know, I'm actually surprised we have not seen more acquisitions over the past. Chris, you and I were talking a little bit about this recently. Yeah, cheap cash, um, stock prices at. You know, all time highs. Yeah. That's some currency to be able to use if you want to use stock. Now now studies show that best acquisitions are used with cash. They're tucking niche acquisitions. They're less than something around 10% of your market cap. So they're smaller acquisitions rather than the big, you know, mammoth acquisitions. I have my doubts about this big advertising deal yeah. um, because it is so big and it's so hard to integrate those cultures. Um, and you're going
2: to have co CEOs there. That just sounds like a mess.
1: So, I, so I'm certainly not looking at that space right. or that, that, that those uh, two companies as as an investment possibility because there's a lot to work out there. Um, So smaller ones work. um, But I'm just surprised we haven't seen more with the environment that we're
0: in. Well, right. And you look over the last couple of years in particular, where companies in aggregate have record amounts of cash on the balance sheet. And on some level, certainly in some situations, and I think this gets to your point, Bill, about CEOs, at some point, I have to believe some of these CEOs just sort of get itchy trigger fingers yeah. where they just think, well, gosh, what, what are we going to do? Pay a special one-time dividend? No, that's boring. Let's, you know, let's go out and get something. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned at the top, you can uh, follow the show on Twitter. At MarketFoolery is our handle. And uh, got a message on Twitter from uh, Ali Kajah. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm probably not. Um, he writes, greetings from Kuwait. Didn't know we had a listener in Kuwait, but you know we have dozens of listeners, so there we go. Greetings from Kuwait. What do you guys think? Is Netgear a good candidate for a Cisco Systems takeover? Your show rocks. Thank you, Ali. Um, uh, Very nice. As a longtime Cisco Systems shareholder, I would say that uh, I think history has proven that pretty much any technology company is a target for Cisco, which is just <laughs> – John Chambers has just shown a willingness to throw good money after bad, acquiring – uh various uh, tech companies, whether they are smart tuck in acquisitions or not, but netgear that 's a, a stock advisor recommendation uh what do you think andy is this is this a good target does this fit all kidding aside does this uh would this make sense at the right price for Cisco systems
1: well you know uh, when you asked uh, Bill the question about does it play into your investment um, philosophy I think because we tend to be um, business focused investors here uh we often look at companies as if we are buying the entire companies, would that make a right. good, interesting investment You know, for our members or for our own port- portfolio, a recommendation? And smart business leaders, and, and John Chambers at Cisco has been this for many, many years. I know it's been a struggle here recently, but there used to be a time when they were buying so many companies and the investors would continue to bid the, the stock price up. So he's looking at this as his own investment in a business. I can't speak specifically to whether Netgear would make a nice tuck in acquisition that space is changing so dramatically but certainly look at cisco what it has become now it is not the big high growth company that it used to be it is now you know one of those low multiple tech stocks that pays dividends and just kind of rings up cash and it needs to figure out ways to grow i don't know if netgear ultimately would move the needle that much when in a company like cisco um but uh, John Chambers certainly is trying to find would have to be trying to find ways to grow that business
0: Well and Netgear you look at the market cap just over 1.1 billion relative to Cisco's so certainly you can check the box of hey if they were to acquire Netgear, they wouldn't be expending you know a significant amount of money relative to their own market yeah. cap but
2: yeah I uh, to follow on what Andy said to the extent I mean the, the question, could imply that the writer is interested in whether he should continue owning or should think about owning Netgear based on whether Cisco might buy it. And to, to that I would say no. 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 Also
0: on Twitter a message from MZ Hart in San Francisco. Uh, we had talked last week about the SEC's investigation into the Bitcoin Ponzi scheme, uh, alleged Bitcoin Ponzi scheme um, right. being run in Texas, um, uh, and I think it's fair to say uh, that we had some uh, some laughs at the expense of of Bitcoin and and all all people in and shape. those who
2: had been defrauded, I guess.
0: Well, no, no, just people who are pro Bitcoin, like the Winklevoss twins. But uh, anyway, uh, MZ writes, I was expecting you to get a lot of hate mail for what you said about Bitcoin, but to prove your point, no Bitcoin investors actually listen to market foolery. Or know anything about investing? So, MZ Hart, uh,
2: (laughs) what would you say is is the thing that you have received the most hate mail over? Um, You know, fortunately, we
0: don't get a lot of hate mail. Maybe that's about to change. But um, (laughs) um, uh, no, you know, uh, in all honesty, we will get uh, comments on Twitter and emails from time to time um, for for negative comments about. Microsoft and positive comments about Amazon. So the the notion of like, oh, you guys just hate Microsoft. Oh, you just – you love Amazon. And, and I, I continue to believe that we are far more varied in our opinions and far more nuanced uh, in our uh, thinking about both of those companies and, and I would say most companies. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to Bitcoin, just the whole notion of a virtual currency that appears to be made up out of thin air, I'm sorry. I, I have a very hard time um, thinking that that's a great way to invest your money. But feel free to take the opposing point of view, Bill. <laughs> I was going
2: to say listeners out there should know that you know, like, off mic, you have nothing but bad things to say about Microsoft all the time. <laughs> I can't get you to change the subject. N- that is, is anything- not even
0: remotely true. <laughs> and that seems like a good point to wrap up. Uh, Bill Barker, Andy Cross, guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you, Chris. Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's gonna do it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our show is mixed by the amazing Rick Engdahl. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.